welcome back to Puzzling, a true crime podcast. My name is Tiffany. I'm Bailey. And I'm Sarah. And, and we're, we're your hosts. <laughs> I never jump in on that part. You should. We usually don't Bailey do two people, but we just... her feet. Oh, you're right. Bailey. I have socks on. I don't care. I have socks on. I don't on. care. I don't. <laughs> don't touch me with your feet. <laughs> and oh, oh, that was your fault, look bitch. Look what you caused, That was your Bailey. fault, bitch. Look no. at what you caused. Tiffany just broke our headphones, guys. I didn't break them. We have some me- a messed up headphone jack. Oh, there and we go. Because I'm a fucking master. I know. And Sarah's the only one who's able to get it. Bailey <laughs> just touched me with her foot and caused me to freak. Okay, see what I mean? She's going to keep doing it. And our headphones are just going to keep messing up. I mean, it doesn't matter for the listeners, but it definitely matters for me. Yeah, it definitely yeah. matters for me, too. And I also get what you mean about these headphones. I hate these. Yeah. yeah. Sarah, you're going to go last for how was your week so that you can do that thing. Okay. Oh. Yeah. So, okay, so Bailey, how was your week? My week was great. Good. I had a good week. Oh, you I, did. <laughs> yeah, I did. <laughs> um, I worked a lot, and um, me and my roommate are still in the process of making our house a home, and it's going really well. That's nice. Yeah. We got a new carpet at Costco. Did the dryer just turn on? Uh, it did. So if you hear that, sorry. <laughs> we'll have Alex turn it off when he comes back in. Yeah. So, Tiffany, how was your week? Um, pretty uneventful. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, no, I've done nothing. You should talk about the Orkin lady. Oh my gosh, you guys. <laughs> okay, Sarah. wait, let me just preface this, that the first time we met the Orkin lady, um, Tiffany was at work, and she was like, hey, I have the Orkin... Okay, first of all, you guys know well by now, we live in the mountains, there's gonna be spiders... Tiffany saw a couple spiders and lost her shit and was in convinced. <laughs> they were monsters. Same they were though. not. Same they were though. tiny. Same. I no. I don't know. No spiders. I have they, so many spiders in my room. It just doesn't bother me. <laughs> they were monstrous and they were in my cooking bowls. And so I, it's, it's kind of a long story, but I have a whole video of it. It's really embarrassing. Maybe I'll post it someday, but maybe, maybe. I won't. Um, <laughs> so I had come to Tiffany's house while she was at work so that the Orkin lady could come, and this, this woman was insanely cool. Yeah. Insanely cool. Like, immediately off the bat, she was just, like, cool as fuck. An angel. And she, yeah. Yes, seriously. So, go ahead. Yeah, so, I didn't even meet her until the third time she came here, but, um, Sarah FaceTimed me today, <laughs> freaking out, because she had a massive spider with a massive sack that it was guarding in her window. <laughs> massive sack. <laughs> like, okay. Massive egg sack. It was, like, where whatever. the window connects to, like, the ceiling, like, the little corner. And it. I was laying on the couch, and I look up, and I just was like, what is that? And then I, like, registered in my brain what it was. And this spider has trapped itself in a web on top of the egg sack, and it's just sitting there looking menacing. And it's like a chicken on, a chicken on its head. Yeah. Yeah. It was a huge, too. So she's freaking out, and I was like, you know what, Sarah? I'm going to text my Orkin lady and see what you should do. So I was texting my Orkin lady, and huge help. She is honestly so hilarious. We right. love her so much. And so then uh, Tiffany gives me her number so I can get an Orkin person out to my house, and I want her specifically. So I call her to, like, see how to do that, and she's like, did you kill that spider? And I was like, no, <laughs> I'm such a baby about it. Like, I know it's silly, but... I'm just terrible. And she's like, where do you live? I'll just come kill it for you. (laughs) So she came to my house for free. Well, I gave her a tip, but like she came to my house, killed the spider and dipped out. And it was so nice. Yeah. She is literally our favorite person at this moment. Yes. 
And we love her. Yeah, I've never, I mean, we didn't really talk much when she was here doing, like, servicing my house, but, man, just from our text conversation today, she's, like, 10 out of 10, hilarious, love her. She just has a really great sense of humor. Yeah, she's great. I love it, and, like, the fact that she was not too scared to do that, because I was too scared. She does it for a living. Well, she was telling me, though, today, she was telling me, though, today that she actually is terrified of bugs, but she was like, you know what, she used to work at a post office. Oh my gosh! I know. Oh. I told her I was oh, like, "Well, <laughs> okay." Now you guys oh. know my last job. Was... She was actually not a street cleaner. In case you guys, I was not a street cleaner. I was a male lady, a mailman, as I call myself. <laughs> People get mad when I call myself a mailman. I mean, whatever. I don't know. It's just easier than saying like male lady or like I don't a know, postal we carrier. Were, we, we always had like female mail carriers, so we always said like my the male lady. It's just like I don't know. It flows better when I say mailman. But some people get really salty when I say that, and I'm like, yeah, whatever. Because you're but... a strong, independent woman who don't need no man. True. Big facts. Except for when you have a spider. Yeah. Also big facts. <laughs> then you Except... need the working lady. <laughs> I still don't need a man. Yeah. No, you just need the working lady. <laughs> but yeah, she was telling me she used to be a male lady, and I oh was like... Oh my gosh, I need to talk to her about that tomorrow. I know, and I told her, I was like, wait, Tiffany was is what used to be a male lady, and she was like, oh my gosh. But she was like, I when I quit that job, I thought, I'll do a job that like... I'll face my fears. I'll just do something I'm scared of. And I'm like, no, whatever. <laughs> what a bad bitch. You're, a b- yeah, way bad. Way, way badder than me. I mean, I'm sure. <laughs> She's bad with like a bunch of bees. <laughs> bunch of bees? Capital B and hella D's. Yeah. 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 <laughs> she bad. Bad. Yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, I'm sure she doesn't have to like physically kill a ton of bugs she, gets she did it she, today she, she gets in today. the well she gets in the crawl spaces with all the bugs oh though. no mm-mm, mm-mm, that's like no, tomorrow never, she's going never. in my attic no mm-mm. no i she's only ever sprayed like in my downstairs and around little my house. bitches she are you no, gonna get she, in the crawl space yeah i have Ew. she fully said like i'm getting in your actually. i'm getting in your crawl space well she can't get under my house because the, the washer's on top of it like the entrance to yeah. that but she's going in my attic I mean, Which like fuck no. I used to go in attics when I was a kid. I was also not scared of spiders. When <laughs> I, I used was to a go kid. in attics. I did occasionally. We had an attic. Funny story. Um, I me and my I friends... had an attic too. Oh really? Isn't that crazy? <laughs> no, me and my friends would always try to get into the attic and like crawl around up there, and we did once, and we were like so scared that we were gonna find a dead body or something. So, <laughs> so we got down, but then the like molding around it. Mm-hmm. Uh, broke, and I didn't want my mom to know that we were in the attic, so I taped it up with electrical tape. Like, that wasn't the most obvious thing in the entire world. Oh, my God. <laughs> right, I used like... to love when people had, like, finished attics. My friend Paige had one growing oh, up. yeah. And it was, like, a finished attic, and it was, like, our, like, hangout area. If it's finished, fine. But, yeah, like, mine great. is literally just, like, spray foam insulation. Yeah, and, like, yeah. Gross. That's not mine wasn't even spray here. foam. Mine okay, was just, you like, wanna... real foam. Do you all want to hear the, the, the creepiest story about an attic? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So at my old place that I lived in, um, I had a guy come over to put in like a heater and a light in the bathroom, um, so that like I could take warm showers because <laughs> I'm a princess. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> but he got so he needed to get into the attic to like um, cut through the ceiling to put the fan in mm-hmm. the heater thing, and he's like gets out of the attic and he goes I have good news and bad news and I was like what and he goes there's a really big window in your attic so like it's very oh, roomy and spacious and nice bad news there's like a, a teeny tiny kid's chair set up right in the middle of the attic just that's the only thing up there it's like just a wooden kid's chair 
I hate that. Sitting mm-hmm. dead center of your attic. Yeah, I was like, no. yep, I hate it. Thanks. Now I'm going to have nightmares. Thank you for telling me that. I appreciate that very much. I'm going to have nightmares about the little ghosty kid coming out of my fucking ceiling. A ghosty ghosty. I wish you found a ghosty kid coming out of your ceiling. That would have made mm. No, but I did have story. a gremlin. We should do a whole episode on all my hauntings. Okay. I can pitch <laughs> in like two we stories. Could, we should do that much. for Halloween. <gasps> we will. A Halloween episode. A Nobody take that idea. It's ours. <laughs> yeah, right? I come in for Halloween. We're going to have a Halloween party. I can't wait to because it's going to be cooler. Jason. I cannot wait for like fall. It's like a million degrees inside my home right now. I can't now. wait to go to the pumpkin patch. We're going we're gonna to do um, the people from fucking, oh my god, I just totally drew a blank on this. Um, Princess Diaries. Not uh, Princess Diaries. Fucking tell, man. What's that movie? I don't know. The night before Christmas? No. I don't know what you're trying to say. <laughs> hold on, hold on, hold on, hold please. Um, Princess Bride. Oh, okay. Oh, that makes I've a lot seen. more sense than Princess Diaries. <laughs> <laughs> I've never seen the Princess Bride. Okay, what? Yeah. That's you're, you. you're in so, not a good place. I know, I know, so fine. I'm going to be Buttercup, Jason's going to be Wesley, and then and I will be Bubbles. Avery's going to be... <laughs> Avery's gonna be... be Blossom. No, she's Blossom. I'm no, she's Buttercup. No, but... yeah, Princess Buttercup. No, yeah. oh no, but I'm talking about Powderpuff Girls now. Well, I know. And then but I said I'll be. No, Blossom has the the red hair. Yeah. Bubbles has the blonde hair, yeah. and um, Buttercup ha- has black hair, but yeah. it's fine. <laughs> yeah, but my, my hair is darker than any of you bitches. Yeah. But then oh, wait, Avery's no, gonna be out, the rodents out. of unusual size. Wait, oh, but no, but like, can we actually have a Halloween party Sarah. where we do that? Like just we as Powerpuff need to Girls. Be the Powerpuff Girls. Screw this Princess Bride thing. You don't want Avery to be a giant scary rat. She can still be a giant scary rat. But she can be Mojo be Jojo. <gasps> but then what's can Jason? He's be gonna the be his, no. He's okay. gonna be the dad. The sugar yes. spice everything nice. He'll be your dad. Uh oh. Lauren. I'm gonna Hello. Talk. Lauren. Yes. I'm doing the podcast right now. Do you want to say hi? Yes. Hello. Say hi to all the <laughs> listeners. All 45 of them. Well, like, we get, like, 53. Okay, can I text you? No, but, yeah, it's not what I need you for, but okay. <laughs> okay, I'll text you. I bye, Lauren. Come on, you don't want me to dress okay. Avery up to look like that? <laughs> not particularly i don't like that oh i hate gosh. that i hate everything about that it's called okay. a rodent of unusual size okay. a roost. how about we when are you are you doing that for halloween yeah okay so we'll have a halloween, halloween party, party before halloween and we'll be the powerpuff we will girls. be the powerpuff girls and then for halloween itself you guys can do the princess bride are you kidding me jason looks exactly like no avery um, we're saying uh, avery <laughs> avery sarah we're saying that you can still do it I know, but look how perfect. It this sounds is. like you're arguing with us. No, <laughs> <laughs> she doesn't want to do it. Come on, if he just shaves his like till he just only has a mustache, that's Jason looks just like okay. That. And you can do that for Halloween, but for our Halloween party, Powerpuff Girls. Okay, come on, it's perfect. Okay, okay. Anyway, Sarah, how was your week? It was good. I don't think I did anything. Uh, I can't oh, it's not like you like turned twenty four or anything. Well, I talked about that in the last episode. Yeah, but it wasn't your birthday. It was oh, yeah, your birthday. But I okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I had a big barbecue. Bailey didn't come because she hates me. Yeah. I was working. <laughs> I tried so hard to get off, it's too. It's totally fine. I get it. Um, and I got her a present that I didn't give to her yet, so she's opening it right now. Okay, so, yeah, I had a big barbecue with everyone. It was a lot of fun. It was fun. I got eaten alive. 
by mosquitoes. Oh my gosh. Wait, they Aria had the brilliant idea of walking through the meadow. Wait, she's opening her present. And I got eaten alive. Yeah, Aria likes going on walks, which is a fun time. Which is fine until I get eaten Heck, alive. yeah, man. I heard uh, Tiffany was telling me that um, you forgot your water bottle in Avery's room when she was taking a nap and you like freaked out <laughs> you were using mine water. the whole time yeah i so now you have yeah. another water bottle and it has multiple caps thank you Be, and also because my water bottle is a piece of shit yeah well so. we both got water bottles for our birthday from bailey I, because <laughs> i realized when i actually realized huh. i give water bottles as a gift to for like everything <laughs> you gave me you gave me a water bottle last year <laughs> <laughs> no because i fucking love water bottles bailey has like 52 water bottles mm-hmm. this candle smells like, like fall like like fall I'm like fall. what i imagine mold wine my heart smells like <laughs> it says yeah. fur mama on the top i know this is great do you love it yes i do i don't want to stop smelling it just just leave it okay so i got so her did a, you smell it oh i smelled it when we bought it yes. i got her a, um, a water bottle and um don't you love the way she says water 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 wordle <laughs> wordle i've noticed more recently that when i drink my like non-existent New York because I'm not from New York accent comes out, but it's just because my parents East Coast accent. Yeah, no, 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 no. Water is like a very like Philly New York thing. Wait, you? Well, you. That's fine. Water. That's like Philly's close enough. Yeah, yeah, I'm directly in between the two. Yeah, I'm breaking into this bitch. Thank you, Bailey. <laughs> You're welcome. Do you I love forgot it? my like water. color. Yes. This okay. I like. Um, We're almost matching. It's like a gray-blue. Yeah, I like it a lot. I forgot I my it. water bottle, so I may take a quick pause to fill this up. Okay. Please do. <laughs> That's should, we, should we just pause right now? Yeah. Okay. All right, time out. All right, we are back. Sarah filled up her new water bottle. She's happy. Everyone's happy. <laughs> should we get into it? Yeah. So we should have, like, a catchphrase for when we get into it. Should it's we... time to be evil. <laughs> it's time to be evil. <laughs> um, yeah, thank you, Bailey. I super, super appreciate that. You're welcome. Great present. I try. Yeah. It's right. evident. Evident. Okay. Um, yeah, so to recap from last week, Charlie had just been fired from Morristown Hospital and had spent some time in Greystone Psychiatric Hospital. He also had just gotten a job at Liberty Nursing and Rehabilitation Center, and by this point, he'd killed five confirmed patients. So this is where we get into the kind of the bulk of who he's killed and what he's done. Um, so this one's going to be a little bit heavier, and a lot of we're going to go over a lot of like the investigation because it just it was insane. And so, it's a long process. So yeah, I'm excited. That's what we are going to jump into. So, Francis Henry was an elderly resident at Liberty who needed extra attention due to a broken vertebrae. And she... He? He. Uh, with, <laughs> sorry. A, well, Francis could name. go either way. Yeah. yeah. Um, and he's placed... Of, um, sorry, I just think of... Uh, oh, my gosh. Shameless. Did you watch Shameless, Sarah? I watched, like, three or four seasons of it. Uh, well, Francis is uh, the dad. Oh. And then Debbie names her daughter Francis after her dad. I thought and it was Frank. 
It's I Frank. I think he goes yeah. by Frank. Yeah. But isn't his full name Francis? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, you probably just didn't watch enough to yeah. get there. Anyway. Yeah, so Francis, in this case, is a man. Uh, but he was placed in a halo. Do you know what a halo is? No. Um, it's like the the metal ring that goes around your head, and then they screw in oh, okay. um, the screws in your skull. Yeah. To, like, stabilize your neck. Uh, Charlie believed that he should have been in, he should have been in the hospital instead of a nursing home. So on May 6, 1998, he took it upon himself to give Henry a massive dose of insulin into his IV to the point where he went to full diabetic shock and started having seizures. Of course, Henry now needed to be transferred to the hospital. Um, the next day he was sent back though to the nursing home and he died soon after. I hate this man. Yeah. Almost immediately, Liberty opened an internal investigation into Henry's death. Good. Because they again found high levels of foreign insulin, and they looked into the night shift workers who might have administered it. Charlie for sure thought they would figure out it was him, because he'd already been written up from other medication mistakes, but instead they fired a senior nurse named Kimberly (gasps) Pepe. Oh my gosh. Kim! I'm so sorry, Kimberly. Right. So Pepe filed for wrongful termination, as she should have. Yeah. Um, stating that she had been interviewed and cleared, and that the nursing home had admitted to her before she was fired that they were suspicious of Charlie. But they still fired her anyway. Oh my gosh. Probably because she's a woman. Well, most nurses are women. I know. Like, especially in this time, it was rare that Charlie was a nurse. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Um, man, that dryer. Sorry about my dryer. <laughs> um, Pepe and Liberty settled out of court later. Uh, And for an undisclosed amount, so I'm not quite sure. Either way, Liberty moved Charlie out of the ICU and into the psychiatric ward. On October 1st, he was seen entering the room of an elderly patient who was not his patient. And he had syringes in his hand. Oh. A fight. Um, hello, big red truck. Like. Yeah. Hello. (laughs) Like, signs, please? Yeah, seriously. Can I get... Murdering nurse for five, anyone? (laughs) I got you. Um, A fight between the two broke out and the patient suffered a broken wrist. Charlie was... He started fighting Charlie? Good. The nurse was like, I don't fucking... Or the patient was like, I don't know you. (laughs) Don't try to poke me. Good for him, because if a new nurse came into my hotel... Or my hotel room, (laughs) my hospital room, I'd be like, oh, okay, I got a new nurse, I guess. But she was also in the psychiatric ward, so that might have played, like, a part. That's true. (laughs) Like, I don't... I'm sane. I don't know why she was fighting him. I like to think that it was because she didn't know him, but... Your cat's trying to get me. Oh my gosh, I had to move her off of my lap because she's a radiator. She's so hot. Um, But yeah, so I don't know why why exactly they fought, but I I like to think it was because she was just like a badass. I I, want to believe that too, yes. Um, Charlie was fired shortly after for not following drug protocols. Good. Not good enough, but good. No, but it only took him two days to find a new job at Bailey. Easton, Easton Hospital. Easton. <laughs> in Easton, Pennsylvania, if you hadn't gathered that. <laughs> um, Audemar Schramm had been suffering from strokes for a year, and each time he lost more and more of his body function. His daughter, Christina Toth, took him to Easton each time. On December 28, 1998, 
Christina remembered a male nurse coming to her father's room with a syringe and telling her that he needed to take her father out of the room for some tests. When she saw her father the next day, he looked way worse than when he had come in. He slowly started to improve, but three days later, a doctor called Christina and said that for some reason, some unknown person had ordered blood tests, and the results showed high levels of digoxin, which had never been prescribed to him. Oh, um, just a quick side note. We, so, after our episode last week, um, or our, I guess our last episode, because it's will come out before the next week, but we called my mom, and my mom's a nurse, and she said digoxin is very normal, um, it may not have been back then, but Yeah, well, she it said it was normal in cardiac units. Yeah, in, yeah. And he wasn't like in cardiac. people who have heart issues. Yeah, and he wasn't in cardiac units, and that, like... And also, maybe it wasn't as common back then, and that's why they didn't test for it. Like, we don't know why. Right. I just wanted to Because we'll update. hear from, like, other nurses that worked with him in the same units that, like, they never used it. Like, it was really weird that he was taking it out all the time. Yeah. I believe it. Right. So the doctor said that he would run new tests and call back with results. At 1.25 a.m., the doctor called back to say that the new tests showed the same results and that her father was dead. Oh, my gosh. Mm-hmm. He also recommended that they order an autopsy because of the digoxin results. The county coroner who performed the autopsy ruled it an accidental death. So he's dumb? Yeah. Like... <laughs> He didn't even check. Yeah, that's... Even though they had it in the blood work and she, like, requested an autopsy, they didn't even check for digoxin. So they just said, oh, it's a result of so many strokes. That's annoying. Yeah. Um, By the time March 1999 rolled around, people were starting to question Charlie. Now? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But he had already found a new job at the burn unit at Lehigh Valley Hospital. Lehigh, Lehigh Valley. Valley. I know. Oh my Lehigh god. Valley. Oh, you know Lehigh? Yeah. Lehigh Valley, there's yeah. uh fun It's right fact. near Easton. Yeah. Like oh. Lehigh Valley Hospital is like part of Easton. And oh, Lehigh okay. Valley has like a ton of murders. So fun Oh, fact. really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. My mom had surgery at Lehigh Valley. Uh John had surgery at Lehigh Valley. Uh a bunch of people. Why are there so many murders there? I don't know, but I... <laughs> because it's like... Like, Forensic Files, when I would would watch Forensic Files religiously, I feel like Lehigh Valley was on there, like, more than anything. That's and so crazy. I would, like, research things, and Lehigh Valley has, like, a very... I don't know if it does still, but it right. used to have, like, a very high murder rate. That's wild. That's really Fun weird. Fact. Um, I didn't know that. Because I've looked in... When I wanted to do, like, Forensic Science as my profession, I actually looked at, like, properties in Lehigh Valley to see, like, the cost price and stuff, and if I should just move there. Oh, damn. Yeah. Um, the answer's no. The answer's The no. answer's I'm in t- California now. <laughs> the so. answer's no. Thank you. Um, yeah, so he's in the burn unit there. Over the 16 months that he worked there, he couldn't remember how many patients he killed. Like, this is his, his speaking. Like, he's like, yeah, I just don't know. That's disgusting. Yeah. Charlie remembered one patient, though, whose name was Matthew Mattern. Matthew had been in a car accident and was trapped by the burning car. Oh, my God. That's my biggest fear. Yeah. And he was um, young, too. Like, a lot of Charlie's patients were older. um, But this guy was one of the, like, younger ones. Uh, I think he was in his 20s. I can look that up. But I think he was, like, in his 20s. That's really sad. Yeah. So, by the rule of nines, he was 92% dead. Remember I talked about the rule of nines last Mm -hmm. last time? 
Yeah, so he was 92% dead. Um, so it didn't seem like he had, like, the greatest chance of living anyway. Right. And which tr- doesn't matter, but... No, but Charlie felt like his life would have been miserable if he did survive. So on August 31st, 1999, he loaded Ivy's Matthew... <laughs> <laughs> Matthew's IV? <laughs> yes. <laughs> he loaded Matthew's <laughs> <laughs> with a huge dose of digoxin. He died before sunrise, and most of the nurses were thankful that his suffering was over, thinking that he had died from his burns. Yeah. And, like, I understand. In this case, I understand Charlie's thinking, like, oh, he's going to be miserable if he survives. However, that's not, like, his choice to decide. No, you know? and a lot of people were mad that he was, like, playing God. Was what they, like, yeah, well, that's what a lot of people, like, after the whole thing came out, they all Pretty much any murderer tries to play God, and, like, it's just... Right. Like, ew. Yeah. Um, by April 2000, Charlie's coworkers were not subtle about how much they hated him. Oh, good. I'm not either. He he tried to transfer to the cardiac unit, but even the cardiac unit were, like, no. (laughs) Good, it would have been Johnson left and right. Right, and then it wouldn't have been as, like easy to catch because it's so much more common in a heart unit. Yeah. Um, he started canceling shifts and looking for a new job, and he landed a job at St. Luke's Hospital in Fountain Hill. Oh, God. Okay. It's, yeah. like, right outside of Philly. Yeah. And he started to work in the coronary care unit there. In June of 2002, nurse Kim Wolf went into the med storage room when she went to throw away a used needle. She noticed the sharps box was full with, like, cardboard boxes. That's weird. Yeah, like, it should have been only sharps. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's why it's a sharps box. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so, she called Environmental Services to come unlock the box, and they found six empty bottles of, excuse my not knowing <laughs> Okay. how to say these words, um, vecuronium bromide, which is vec for short, which I will be using from now on. <laughs> Understandable. <laughs> Some magnesium sulfate, um, phenyl... Phenylephrine. Phenylephrine? Okay, I don't know. Uh, Levovid. Good enough for me. <laughs> Dobutamine. Okay. Nitroglycerin. Libetalol. Okay. And 40 boxes of Pronestal. I think you did that well. I think, I mean, I think that. As good as any of us could have done it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Thanks. Except my mom. My mom's probably going to be calling and be like, this is how you pronounce these. <laughs> we should have consulted before know, we did right? this. Um, so the one that scared them was the VEC. This is a strong paralytic and it usually only like five milligrams is ordered at a time, but it was rarely used like as it was. Yeah. <clears throat> Someone had used 60 oh milligrams of VEC, but there were no records of who used it or which patient got it. That's not surprising because he, it's just not surprising. (laughs) Yeah, right. So Wolf watched the med room for the rest of her shift, and when Charlie went in there, she waited until he left to check the sharps box, and it was full again. Oh my gosh. He's not fly. No. So she alerted her manager, Ellen Amadio, and the sharps box was open again at the next shift change, which was the next morning. So he was already gone by this point. The time, this time, they found nine bottles of empty VEC, among other things. Charlie would later to confess to killing Edward O'Toole with the VEC, although an investigation into his death wasn't done until many years later, so it couldn't be confirmed. 
It's kind of like um, my last case where he confessed to those two murders and then, like, just didn't, like... Right. They, he just didn't... They didn't have enough evidence. Yeah, like, even though he confessed, it wasn't enough to charge him. Or, like, Which is to so get frustrating. Yeah. Yeah. So, Ken Vale, the risk management director, was contacted, and he decided to call the Stevens and Johnson law firm, and attorney Paul Laughlin was sent over. He interviewed Charlie, and when he couldn't provide any explanation for the evidence presented, security forced him to leave the hospital. Did they fire him? Yep, but they were just like, yeah, you gotta leave. <sighs> yeah. mm-hmm. uh, yep. I really hope things have changed in hospitals from then to now. I mean, mm-hmm. I would hope so. Yeah. Uh, on June 8th, three days after security made him leave St. Luke's, he got a job at Sacred Heart Hospital in Allentown, Pennsylvania. Is it? Here in I looked at I looked at houses in Allentown too. <laughs> and they're shutting all the factories down. Oh wait, I know that song. I don't. I don't know the words. Clearly not a Yeah, I have heard that song. Oh, I love Billy Joel. I don't know that song. Obviously, you don't. Not enough, I guess. You're a fake fan. Bandwagon. Um, so almost immediately, he started dating another new hire named Kathy Westerfer. Two woman. <laughs> two weeks into his job at Sacred Heart, he got a call that he's he'd been fired. <laughs> oh, good. What was the reason for this one? They had heard rumors from other hospitals about good. the suspicious deaths that like happened like anywhere he went, and so they were just like, "Yep, this is a risk we're not taking." Yeah, seriously. And yeah. I don't. I wonder how that's changed from then to now with like labor laws and stuff. I'll I'll talk. I'll oh yay! Talk about it. Actually, I know. I mean, I don't know back then, but I know Nevada like is a. I don't remember what it's called. But At they can, will employment. Yeah, like, they can fire you if they just don't like the way you look, basically. Right. Like, they don't have it's, to have a Yeah, it's at will employment. Okay. I was thinking, um, right to, right, I don't, you know, it doesn't matter. Anyway. <laughs> um, I think you're thinking at will employment. No, that's what I'm thinking of, yeah, but there's another one, um, like a right to work state, I think is what it is. But um, I don't think that's, it's not the same, and I always get it confused. Oh, yeah, I've no, I've been heard of that. It's, I... Could be wrong with that too. I don't. <laughs> I had it, and then it just like disappeared from my mind. I'm well, not sure. that's how Princess Bride was for me earlier. I was like, oh, I know Diaries. exactly what I want to do, and then every single thought left my brain. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I get it. Um, yeah, but Kathy, that new hire that he started dating, felt really sorry for him, so she let him move into her house. Oh, no, in Bethlehem. Kathy. Yeah, in Bethlehem. Kathy. Bethlehem. Oh, honey. Yeah. So, on August 15th, 2002, Charlie applied to Somerset Medical Center in Somerset County, New Jersey, which I think is, like, a really bougie area. It I is. Was reading. Somerset's very bougie. Mm-hmm. So, by September of 2002, he was hired to work in the CCU, which is the coronary care unit. Okay. Uh, when he found a close friend in one of the other nurses, Amy Lauren, he decided he liked his job and he wanted to stay there. Like, this was his, like, end So, like, he didn't want to kill people, or... Um, from kind of <laughs> what it seems like, yeah, he was like, I don't want to fuck this one up. Okay. So... Interesting. Mm-hmm. But one night, Amy told him that she was dying of heart failure, and he oh, no. lost his shit. Yeah. I mean, like, 
Not for him, but for her. No, for her. And, like, she's a fucking badass. And I will go into her because she is literally, like, oh, my God, I want to be her. Um, you can be her, Sarah. You can also be a badass. I know. You already are. Wait. Yeah, what? I was about to say, why, why are you saying that she can be a badass? Yeah, she no, you already are. Sarah, she... we've talked about it, but Sarah what, did <laughs> a full-time job along with a part-time job, along with being a full-time mother. Like, tell me she isn't a badass. You know what I mean? Yeah, but not, like, in a, in this way. Doesn't matter. Like, I want to be a badass in the Amy Lauren way. Okay, okay. let's hear about it. Go ahead. Well... We'll get into it a little bit later. That's fine. We'll hear about it later then. Anyway, um, so she said that she was dying of heart failure and he fucking lost his shit. Like, they were actually really, really close. And so, once he started killing at Somerset, he couldn't stop. So, did he, in his mind, like, did he start killing because he was gonna lose her? Like, because she was sick and he was upset? Yeah, I think it was just he was taking out his, like, anger and sadness. Yeah. Um, Ew, I hate him. The few names he could remember, because he can't remember, like, how many people he killed there or who they all were, but the few ma- names that he could were Eleanor Stoker, killed with Dijoxin, Joyce Mangini, and Giacomo Toto, killed by a mix of Pavillon and other drugs. There was John Shaniger, killed by Norneprin, um, Dorothea Hoagland, unknown which drug killed her. Um, cause I think he just did like a cocktail of a bunch of shit. Oh my gosh. Um, and Michael Stranko killed by a mix of digoxin and epinephrine, which is really fucked up actually, because digoxin slows the like, um, pulses in your heart, the the electricals, and then epinephrine is an adrenaline. So it, it like speeds. So your heart is basically just battling back and forth until it pretty much just like fails. Yeah. That's, Which is so fucked. Ew, I can't imagine, like, the feeling of that. Yeah. Because, like, I had a freaking anxiety attack once and ended up in the hospital, like, in the ER, thinking that I had a heart attack. Like, so I can only imagine the fear and, like, the pain that would have caused. Oh, no. Like, it's serious. That's horrifying to think about. Because, yeah. like, yeah, if you've ever had, like, a panic attack or an anxiety attack, it's already terrifying. Yeah, I was crying <laughs> yeah. a lot. I didn't know what was happening. Yeah, so, so fucked up. But on June 14th, 2003, Charlie gave Jin Han eight times the dose of digoxin oh that she gosh. needed. She she actually was prescribed this, but he just gave her eight times the amount. Yeah, that's ridiculous. But she survived. <gasps> Good for her. Go her. her. <laughs> that's in, that's a like a huge bitch. overdose, and she survived. Like, yeah. Fucked her up a little yeah. bit. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, I didn't hear, there weren't any like things about ongoing effects but like cut him so um that was june 14th on june 28th charlie gave digoxin to reverend florian gall and he died that morning a reverend a reverend yeah he's going straight to hell yeah he Mm -hmm. is not the reverend not the reverend yeah (laughs) for clarification not the reverend yeah no um the hospital though was catching on and they at this point were calling reverend gall patient four Like, they were keeping track. yeah. They were keeping track now. Well, yeah, of what they at least assumed. Mm Mm-hmm. So, Nancy Dehorty, um, a pharmacy worker, called the CDC to understand how the high levels of digoxin could have happened in these patients. Like, she was just like, hey, can your body make digoxin? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, 
And Bruce Ruck answered the call, and after hearing the details, he told Nancy that this was a police matter. Like, and there was no way that this was not a poisoning, and this was not intentional. And it would look a lot better coming from the hospital from him, because he was a mandated reporter. Um, Nancy said that the hospital was doing an in-house investigation, and that she wasn't allowed to talk to him anymore. Um, it's sketchy. Yeah. So Bruce went right yeah, the fuck just, down the hall. They don't want to be responsible for anything. Yeah. Which I get, but also, like, just be good people. People are dying and, here. And, like, Somerset is the one that pisses me off. Because they did, like, the least. I hate them already. Yeah. So. Not as much as I hate him, but. No. Bruce went down the hall to the poison control director, Dr. Stephen Marcus, and he told him everything that they had talked about. On July 8th, a conference call between Somerset and Dr. Marcus was set up where he told them that they had a legal obligation to report what was going on. Yeah, they yeah. do. Mm-hmm. Somerset Hello. told them they weren't planning on reporting this to anyone until they had done their own investigation. How about you just let the investigators do the investigation? <laughs> yep. So Dr. Marcus was like, nah, fuck that, and called Eddie Bresnick. Bresnitz? Bresnitz. (laughs) (laughs) He called Eddie Bresnitz from the DOH, uh, the Department of Health, and sent an email to Annie Thornton, the Assistant Commissioner of Health, explaining Somerset's unwillingness to report the incidents happening at their hospital. Good. Mm -hmm. Then Dr. Marcus let Somerset administration know that, oh, by the way, all of our conversations have been recorded. Oh. Oh. So sad. (laughs) So then a few hours... Later, Mary Lund, the risk manager at Somerset, contacted the Department of Health herself and reported their four patient incidents and told the DOH that they were having an independent investigators take over the case. On July 14th, attorney Raymond Fleming came to Somerset to to interview Charlie. Fleming was set on the digoxin poisonings, but he didn't know that the night before the interview, Charlie had killed a man with dobutamine. So, like, they're only looking at one thing. And Charlie's like, yeah, and Charlie's like, well, joke's on you. I'm doing this with, like, hella different shit. Anything I want. Right. And honestly, like, nothing came out of this interview. Like, they were just like, okay, cool, you don't have any explanation? He's like, nope. And they were like, cool. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) This feels so frustrating. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So, on September 21st, Charlie injected James Strickland with four amps of insulin, but the next morning he was still alive. You know, he's really ballsy. Mm Mm-hmm. I just, like, really can't believe that he got away with all this so far. Right. Yeah. Um, Yeah, like, I mean, I get that he hasn't been caught yet, and that maybe that's what's, like, keeping him going. Like, oh, well, you know, like, they're not seriously looking into... Any of the things that I've done. Well, it's a huge lawsuit against the hospital, so, like, if they do... I feel like it's a bigger lawsuit if you're covering it up, though. Yeah, seriously. I don't know. I mean, I don't know why you wouldn't just be like, hey, we've noticed this. Someone come get this guy. But um, after the four amps of insulin, he came in the next morning to work, and James Strickland was still alive. Good. He's a fighter. And he made it. So then, two weeks later, Charlie killed him with an overdose of digoxin. I hate him so much. Mm-hmm. Are you kidding me? Yep. Then he killed Melvin Simcoe with sodium nitroprusside, Christopher Hardgrove, and Krishnikant 
Upadye. Good job. With Tajoxin. That's a name of a yeah. person. Okay. Um, and he was killed with Tajoxin. So, Tim Braun was a homicide detective in Somerset County. And on October 3rd, 2003, he got a call from Somerset County prosecutor Wayne Forrest about the deaths at Somerset Medical Facility. Braun sent Officer Danny Baldwin to investigate. And Danny didn't find any wrongdoing, but Braun and Baldwin were both called back again four days later. And they, at this point, were like, this is bullshit. Like, why are we here? People die in hospitals all the time. Ugh, and not so, in, like, I mean, yes. Well, like, but Somerset no. wasn't really telling them anything. They were just saying, like, yeah, we have four patients that have died. And they're like, okay, and? Like, you're a hospital. People die. Yeah. You know? Like, they weren't giving them any information. They were just like look into it maybe (laughs) and they were like okay why though yeah so they were like somerset was also clearly like not doing enough Mm -hmm. oh and we'll see even more yeah um yeah so they went out uh, four days later and a lawyer named paul nittley informed the two officers about a string of five unexplainable patient incidences over the last five months the last time Baldwin had been called out had made the sixth, de- sixth death. The names of these patients were Joseph Lehman, Francis Kane, Jim Hahn, Florian Gall, Francis Agoda, and McKinley Cruz. When Baldwin tried to talk to Lund about what their internal investigation had found, she said that Charlie wasn't the focus of their investigation, but that they should look at a phlebotomist named Edward Allett. Are you serious? Mm-hmm. Hey, don't look at that guy. Look at this guy who just draws blood for a living. He does, like, he has does so he, much like, access. He probably, yeah, I was just going to say, he probably doesn't even have access to any of these drugs. Right. Like, what the heck? Yeah, he literally just, he's a phlebotomist. All he does is, blood, like, draw blood. He doesn't even administer medication. Yeah. So, apparently, Alet had had some problems with the hospital and the union, and she thought that he might have been killing patients as revenge. Uh, when Baldwin looked up Allet in the database, he came back clean for everything, not even like a speeding ticket or a parking ticket. He was yeah, literally he was just, just like a good an person. Angel. Yeah, like literally just a good person. So, out of curiosity, Baldwin looked up Charlie Colon in the database. He came up with criminal trespassing charge from when he broke into that his ex girlfriend's house. Yeah. Um, drunk driving charge, but both were over ten years old at this point. So, like, eh. but he still called Pal- the Palmer, Pennsylvania police and asked for records on Charlie. She mentioned that there was a handwritten note in his file, was, which was just one word. You want to know what that word was? Killer. Dying. It was digoxin. <gasps> and it was underlined. Oh, my gosh. Do and we know was, who this note was from? Nope. And there's no more context. It was just that word. And how did nobody, like, investigate this earlier? Right. And that was where I was going to leave you at part two, but I decided not to cliffhang you like that. <laughs> like, I was going to, like, that was going to be the end of part one. I'm happy you didn't because <laughs> I want to keep hearing. Um, so, yeah. Braun drove down to St. Barnabas Medical Center and asked them about their investigation into Charlie. The personnel files that he was given were, like, half complete. There was pages missing or, like names and like words just blanked out like blacked over you know 
But there were a half dozen reports on Charlie not properly signing out a drug, withholding medication, or ordering insulin that was unprescribed, um, giving unprescribed IVs, and shutting patients' respiratory vents. He's evil. What? Yeah, but these are all reported. These yeah, are in his file. Like, how is nobody... These could all constitute attempted murder. This. You can't shut a respiratory vent and expect people not to die. Yeah. Like, that's attempted murder. Sorry. A minimum. <laughs> a minimum, dude. So, I don't know. Braun called Warren next, uh, Warren Hospital, and an administrator said that Charlie's files had been destroyed. Sorry. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Can't can't get those. They oh just gosh. don't exist anymore. Uh, meanwhile, Baldwin called Hunterdon Hospital, where they told him that they just couldn't find Charlie's records. Are you serious? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they didn't want to be responsible for any of this. <laughs> yep. So their next call was to Morristown Memorial, and they handed the records over. Um, Baldwin then went to the Pennsylvania State Police, where he was told all about the St. Luke's investigation into Charlie. There were several nurses who had come forward after St. Luke's refused to contact the police during Charlie's employment, and they all said that they believed Charlie was the reason patients were dying. Well, and like nothing was done about the it. The only smart ones. Yeah. But like. But still, nothing was done about it. Yeah, that's so. I keep saying frustrating, but like that's the best word for it. Right. So, Baldwin went back to Lund at Somerset and told her that Charlie was the main suspect in their investigation at that point. He told her that they needed the mortality rates on Charlie's wards, his work schedule for the past year, and the records of what medications he'd administered. Lund said, "Oh, the records." The records from You're the, the records from the um, medications, yeah, um, those disappear after thirty days. Oh my gosh! So sorry, we don't have any from when most of those victims died, but she was gonna keep an eye on Charlie. Don't you worry. Mm-hmm. Uh, later, though, Braun would learn that they did in fact have all the records from the <gasps> medication withdrawal system because they never expired or got deleted. Oh no. Mm-hmm. So they were literally just like, yeah, that, sorry, that doesn't exist. Can't give you those. Which is total bullshit. That's too much of trying to cover your own ass. Right. So Braun suggested that they should... I hope they got sued. Oh, yeah. We'll see. <laughs> Good. Uh, Braun suggested that they share the case with other agencies. Um, since their department was so small, they didn't have, like, the manpower to handle that big of a case. But Prosecutor Forrest refused. So instead, Braun grabbed four detectives out of their small office and told Braun that that was his new task force. He was like, here's four guys. Figure Uh, it out. It's better than the zero they had before, I guess. Right. So Braun and Baldwin went to the New Jersey Department of Poison Control after learning that a report had been made there as well. Dr. Marcus provided them with all of the recorded conversations they'd had with Somerset. When Baldwin went to see Reverend Gall's sister, she was shocked to learn about his digoxin levels since she was a nurse and she knew what that meant. And so this is weird because, like, in the book that I was reading, the doctor was like, hey, his levels of digoxin are really high. Get an autopsy. But now they're saying that, like, she was like, whoa, what? So I don't really, I don't know. I couldn't find... Like, it was conflicting in the book that I read, but then I tried to look it up and I couldn't find that either. Yeah, that doesn't make any sense. Right. So, I'm thinking maybe, like... And I feel like she wouldn't have, like, 
she wouldn't have been at fault. Like, she would have been the one to say, hey, look into this. And if they didn't, like, that's not on her anymore. So she has no reason to lie. Right. So I'm thinking, like, maybe he just suggested an autopsy and didn't really tell her, like, fully why. I don't know. And then maybe that's why they didn't test for it is because she didn't mention it. I don't know. But, um, so then she signed a consent form to have her brother's body exhumed to do another autopsy. Uh, so meanwhile, on October 1st, 2003, Ed Zizek died of an, digoxin overdose by Charlie's hand. On October 27th, Baldwin went to the St. Michael's Hospital to have them look at the six cases from Somerset so that there would be an unbiased opinion of, like, what had happened. Yeah. Dr. Leon Smith was the chief of medicine at the time. His opinion was that all six patients had been given an overdose by an outside source. On October 30th, Charlie was fired by Somerset Hospital. Surprise, About surprise. Time. So on November 4th, 2003, Braun and Baldwin started to schedule interviews with all the Somerset nurses in the unit that Charlie had worked in. And nothing was really coming out of the interviews, so by the end of November, Baldwin decided to start conducting the interviews himself. Because they'd been sending, like, other people on the task force, um, and he was like, this is not getting anything, so I'm going to do it myself. So, that's when Amy Lawrence sat down for an interview. Oh, bad bitch. Yep, bad bitch. She made it clear that she and Charlie were close, and the fact that they were questioning who he was as a person pissed her the fuck off. Really? Mm-hmm. So, she really believed, like, he was a good dude. Yeah, she really did. Like, they were really close. Um, when this Baldwin, I know, when Baldwin showed her the Medicaid and medication withdrawal records, though, her entire attitude changed. She instantly knew that Charlie had done all the things that, she, like, they were saying that he had done. Yeah, because she has a brain. Mm-hmm. So, they had a second interview at her house, and she told them that nobody orders medication the way Charlie had been doing. Like, he would order one at a time. Like, even if a patient needed four different medications, he would, like, put one in, get it put another one in get it like usually you just type in all the things for the same patient and get them all at once like it was just like why are you doing that um she also said that he ordered more digoxin in a year than she had at her whole career at somerset especially in the icu where digoxin is not common do we know how long she's been there not that that really honestly matters i don't i know she was a nurse for 15 years but i don't know how long she was a nurse there. Yeah. Yeah, it, again, it still doesn't really matter, but I was just curious. Mm-hmm. So then she told them to look into the patient records database to see, like, who he had worked with and if there was any notes in there about it. And the detectives were like, what's that? And she was like, the hospital didn't give you that information? And they're like, no, I've never even heard of that. And they were like, so... Yeah, she was coming in clutch, being like, <laughs> here's, her. a, like, half of your investigation right here. I hope her heart never failed on her. Yeah. Um, she was alive at the time of this book being written, which was not that long ago. Good, I love her. Yeah. Um, so Amy agreed to pretend to be Charlie's friend still and wear a wire during phone calls and in-person meetings with him. Knowing that his girlfriend was pregnant. <gasps> no! Mm-hmm, Kathy was pregnant. No! Knowing that his girlfriend was pregnant, she already had agreed to be a reference for his next job, so it wasn't weird. Like, it wouldn't look weird that she was still communicating with him. And yeah. so they thought, like, okay, they, he won't get an idea that, you know. Well, 
Yeah. Yeah. Um, she also looked through and compared patient records and Charlie's medication orders since detectives didn't really know what any of it meant. She would stay up all night and then go work a 12-hour shift and then come home and, like, compare records. Like, she was doing most of the investigating. Damn. She really mm-hmm. is a bitch. Yeah. So, that's when she figured out what Charlie had been doing was ordering a drug and canceling it, but the drawer would still open so he could still get the drug. It just wouldn't show that he'd actually ever taken it, but it would show that, like, it'd been canceled. Right? But that's why, like... So, yeah, so, like, there, there would still be a record of him doing it. But he could just but... say, oh, I typed in the wrong thing. Yeah, but, like, that frequently... Exactly. But, like, that's also why they weren't catching that he was ordering it so many times, because their system was showing us canceled, so it wasn't, like, red flagging. Yeah. Which is, honestly, like, kind of smart of him to figure that out, you know? Um... But she also saw... Misty. Misty. Oh my gosh. Hold on. Get get her up or get her down. Every time her tail hits this, it's... She's still hitting it. it up. Misty. Lay down. Sorry, my dog is being so needy. She's loving her Auntie Bailey. (laughs) We should just cut that out. (laughs) Um, We can cut that out. She also saw that all of a sudden he just stopped ordering Jajoxin at all. Not even like when it was prescribed. He was just like, nope, not ordering it. Um, after thinking about it, she remembered that he always used to help the drug delivery man with the boxes. Like, he was just being helpful. Um, and she realized, (laughs) yeah, and she realized that he'd just been stealing it before it even went into the stockroom. So he didn't need to type it in anymore. Oh, yeah, that doesn't surprise me at all. The second you said he was helping the delivery guy. Yep. She also saw that he ordered a lot of Tylenol. Like, way too much Tylenol. No one orders that much. Which is in the same drawer as digoxin. So he could just open the drawer for Tylenol and get digoxin instead. Of course. Mm-hmm. So when Amy looked into his logins to the patient records, she found that he was literally, he'd been hunting for his next victim. He didn't even need to be the one to administer the drugs. He would just put them into an IV bag and let another nurse go give it. So kind of like what he was doing at, like, the first hospital. Yeah, where... So, yeah, the first one, he would just, like randomly inject into all these different ones but like this time he knew who he wanted to kill and he would just put it in their iv bag and have another nurse do it and he's a monster monster. yeah and like (laughs) amy's whole thing was like i've probably killed people on his behalf not knowing yeah and like that that is too much guilt for any that anybody should and like like, yeah it's not your fault like even if you didn't mean it right like, it's not your fault. You didn't know. Yeah. Yeah, but you still would feel so guilty. Right. I mean, yeah, I can't imagine they didn't, you know. Right. Um, but then after they, he would put it in the IV bags, he knew which one it was going to, so he would just sit there on the computer and check the patient records hundreds of times a night until the patient, like, to watch the patient, like, crash and die. Oh he my would just, gosh. yeah, he would just he sit there and watch it happen. Path. Yeah, he would just watch it happen from, like, the hallway. Like, he didn't even need to be in the room. Yeah. I hate him so much. Mm-hmm. I can't say it enough. So, on November 29th, 2003, Reverend Gall's toxicology, toxicology report came back. Of course, it found an overdose of digoxin. Shocker. The coroner updated his cause of death from natural causes to digoxin poisoning slash homicide. Good. Mm-hmm. 
Baldwin and Braun got tired of playing the long game with Charlie, so they went to his house and told him to get in the car. And they took him to the station for an Dang, interview. good. They straight up told him that he was the main suspect in their investigation at that point. At 2 a.m. the next morning, they dropped him off with no more information than they had before they picked him up. Like, he's... So he just, like, did not crack at all. Yeah, and so the thing, he worked in the telemetry unit, right? What Which is, that? like... The EKG, like, you know, what an EKG does, it, like, reads all your, like, whatever. Mm -hmm. And I said it was very similar to a lie detector test. He studied that shit, and he figured out how to pass lie detector tests. Because, like, it's all just heart rate and breathing. And, like, he knew what the machines look like and how you can control them. And he's been experimenting, basically, on patients, giving them all these different things. To, like, watch how it affects the monitor in their heart. He's, like, so smart. He could have applied himself. Yeah. It's honestly, I don't know if I've ever brought this up, but um, prisoners, criminals, mm. like, a lot of them are so smart. I think I talked about uh, when my brother was in prison how, I didn't talk about how they did tattoos, but Tyler had told me how they, like, do tattoos in prison. It's something I would have never, ever been able to think of. Right. And it's like it's engineering. Like, yeah. Like, they're they're really, really smart. And if they could use their smarts for good things and not bad things, like, they'd be phenomenal people. Right. And same with this dude. Mm-hmm. And, like, seriously, he is actually very smart. Yeah, he's such a waste of space, though. Like, yeah. Like, it makes me so mad. It is very... It's frustrating because it's like, dude, you realize you could do literally anything. Like, why are you doing this? <laughs> exactly. Um... But while he was being interviewed that night, a team had gone over to his house with a search warrant, hoping to find, like, any drugs that he'd stolen from the hospital or anything that could help them in their investigation. And his pregnant wife is at home, like, what the fuck is happening, you know? Oh, my gosh. Or, not wife, but girlfriend. I totally forgot that she was pregnant. Yeah, like, this is her house, too. Oh, my gosh. So, they didn't find anything. Um, On December 8th, Charlie got a new job at Montgomery Hospital. When he told Amy about it, she called to tell Braun, like, immediately. Uh, Braun called Montgomery and told them that if they wanted to keep patients alive, they should pull their new hire off the schedule that night. Which was Charlie? Yep. Good. And they did. Good. Yeah. So, Amy put on a wire and went to meet with Charlie, hoping to get him to confess to something since he still saw her as a trusted friend. When she told him she knew that he had killed those people... And, like, just let me help you, you know? He said, let me go down fighting. And just (gasps) got up and left. Well, that's enough guilt in my mind. I don't know. And just got up and left. So then police again arrested Charlie on a Friday and took him to interrogate him. After nine hours of nothing, they had to let him go again to sit in a jail cell until the next Monday. Braun had a different idea, though. He thought that since it was a weekend, Charlie probably hadn't gotten a lawyer, and since he had already signed his Miranda rights, they could still question him. Nice. Yeah. And, like, they they were off, but Braun was just so obsessed with this case that he was like, I can't just sit at home. Oh, I get it. I probably would be the same exact way. Yeah. So, Braun and Baldwin went down to the station and told Charlie that Amy had been calling and giving them shit, so they were going to let her come and talk to him so that they could, like, get her off their backs. That's smart. And they said, we'll let you talk to him if you talk to us after. And so Charlie agreed. Um, They, like, went in. Amy kind of talked to him a little bit. And then he 
kind of like started to shut down so they brought in Braun and Baldwin and at 6:15 on Sunday night he started confessing and he didn't stop confessing for 7 hours. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That's 7 hours time. worth of shit. Do you know how many pages his confession was? <laughs> Insane. Yeah. Um he refused to words use the words like kill or murder or anything like that. Of course, he's trying to like distance. Diminish. Yeah, distance. Mm-hmm. His blame or his uh, guilt. Yeah. So instead he would say that he like intervened or that they just expired. Just, oh like, my it's god. Such a, Ew. Like fucking Ew, dickhead expired? move. expired? I hate that a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, so at 1.31am on Monday he'd confessed to 40 murders and was done for the night. Not all of them would or could be named and it's impossible to know how many there actually were. Some people believe there were way more than 40 in 16 I years. I am one of those people. Mm-hmm, same. Yeah, I definitely think that, like, there's no way that it was only 40. Like, there's no, a lot of people, I, but in 16 years, like, think about that. I can't see him, like, doing anything less than, like, one a month. Yeah, because... I mean... That's, that's yeah. t- only two and a half a year. Like, if you, d- like, 40 divided by 16 is yeah, two and a half. there's no way. There's no way he only killed two people a year. I mean, we saw, like, at his time at Somerset, that was about a year, he called, he killed, like, the bulk of his... There's just yeah, no exactly. way. There's no, just there's, no way. There's definitely a lot more. Yeah. Um, so, in April 2004, Charlie pled guilty to 13 counts of murder and two counts of attempted murder, which qualified him for the death penalty. But he I got... got it. No, oh, he, no, he got a deal that they would take it off the cha- the table in exchange for his cooperation. So he went through the files from every single death in his 16-year career, even ones he hadn't admitted to. Every single person that died at any place that he was working, he had to sit and read through. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. To, like, try to identify which ones were his. Um, he was sentenced to 11 consecutive life sentences, and during his sentencing, he yelled over and over, your honor, you need to step down. What? I don't know. I don't know why. Um, and that was until they placed a spit mask and duct tape over his mouth. <laughs> which, Good. like, honestly, still didn't really do anything. No, but I love that. A little bit. Um, I wish I would have duct taped his damn nose, too. Yeah. One of the officers in the court, like, had this the spit mask over him, and he was twisting it to, like, choke him out, too, to, like, stop him from speaking. And his hand, like... He had to do it for so long that his hand started cramping, and that's he had to let go, and then he put the duct tape on. I vote we uh, mix a cocktail of drugs and inject him very, very slowly with it. I want him to do get digoxin and epinephrine and see what that fucking feels like. Yeah, but in like slow doses, so he actually like really feels and doesn't die right away. Right. You know. And then like some insulin on top of that, because that's really a really bad death. Like insulin overdoses are yeah. rough. No, I believe it. Um, he was sent to New Jersey State Prison to live out the remainder of his life. In 2005, Charlie applied to be an organ donor and matched perfectly with a man needing a kidney. He was taken to St. Francis Medical Center, where they gave him a fake name, Johnny Quest, and took his kidneys. And they gave him that fake name so that he wouldn't get any piece of recognition because that's all he wanted. He only wanted to be known as, like, he just wanted to be known yeah and he didn't like, care how like he wanted to be infamous famous like whatever yeah. have you. and so the public was like he doesn't get to play god again and give a kidney to someone like that's him trying to play god 
And so they changed the name so that no one would know. Except now we all know. Yeah, but, like... But I get their thought process. Yeah. Um, the families of the victims sued all of the hospitals and settled out of court for undisclosed amounts. So they... Good. They had to um, sign NDAs, so all the records are sealed. Um, but none of the administrators or hospitals ever had real consequences for their part in covering up Charlie's actions. Piece of shit. Yep. Yeah, that makes me really angry. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In 2004, the Patient Safety Act was passed in New Jersey, which requires hospitals to report all serious preventable adverse inf- events that occur to the, apart- the Department of Health and Senior Services. That should be everywhere. Yeah. So, in 2005, the Enhancement Act was passed that requires hospitals to report to the Division of Consumer Affairs certain facts about their healthcare professionals and keep disciplinary disciplinary records and complaints for seven years, which I feel like honestly should be longer. It should be forever. Mm Mm-hmm. But... But since that's been passed, 35 states has adopted these acts as well. should be 50. It should be, but here's the other thing that's really frustrating is that there are no penalties or civil liabilities for hospital that fail to comply. So, like, Uh it's a law, but it's not. Yeah, like, it's a law, but it's not. Like, they can just choose not to, and nothing's gonna happen to them. It's like mushrooms. Like, how they're illegal, but they're decriminalized, so you can't really get in trouble for them. Right. Which, like, doesn't makes sense yeah it's It's the same thing thing. it's like okay yeah don't like you should do all this stuff but if you don't like eh, whatever okay like whatever yeah so amy lauren was still alive at the time that um this author who's he wrote um the book the good nurse and his name name is charles graber oh another charlie yeah but he interviewed charlie he interviewed amy lauren and like she's still alive as when he wrote the book. I hope she is still. Um, but she had, like, a really hard time with this. She really actually felt bad for Charlie. Like, because they had been so close for so long. She knew that he was a bad person. But a lot of the time she was, like, very conflicted playing a friend. And he still doesn't know that she was a confidential informant for is him. Is he still alive? Mm-hmm. He's still in New Jersey straight, State Prison. Huh. But, he, like, he doesn't know that she was an informant. I mean, I, I probably get it. Like, yeah, like, they kept her name, um, they kept her name undisclosed during all the, like, court proceedings, so he, yeah. has, he has no idea. Granted, that would be, like, me and Sam. Right. Because, like, we've gotten close over the last, like, year and a half, but we haven't been friends for, like, my whole life or anything, but, I, I don't know, I get it, but also, in my mind, I like to think that if... I had this feeling that Sam was, like, killing all of these people, that I would be able to separate myself, but yeah, I don't know, I've never been in that situation, and yeah. I hope to never be in that situation. And I, I get it, like, both of them were kind of, like, loner, you know, and so, like, they found each other, and, like, they were similar, but, I mean, she still did a kick-ass job, and even the detective said, like, if you ever want to stop nursing, Come be a detective. You're great at oh, this. Oh, I would have taken him up on that so fast. Yeah, no, they were like, you're great at this. I wish somebody would offer me but that. everybody's like us. I know, but I, like, my dream is to be a detective, and I don't want to be a police officer first. Yeah, but she's, like, a heart I'm, problem. Like, not you know. 
She's got a heart problem. But if anybody, if any police department out there wants to hire me as a detective, please. (laughs) Please. Like, please. Um, Yeah, so that is the story of Charles Cullen. Obviously, some change still needs to happen, I think, as far as hospitals and their accountability goes. Yeah, no, I definitely agree. Um, And I think he definitely killed way more than 40 people. Unfortunately. He definitely... definitely did yeah but i mean go officers braun and baldwin because like they were the only ones who actually took this fucking seriously yeah and then amy just kicked ass at Poor amy yeah and amy, there was a picture of her there and i hope you're thriving there was a picture of her in the book and she looks great fantastic and I hope that she has a great life. Good. 10 out of 10 looks, 10 out of 10 human. Yeah. And we she has you. two kids too. And yeah. when they asked her like to wear a wire and all this stuff, she sat her kids down who were like 11. She only talked to one of them about it and she was 11. Um, I think the other one was too young to really like have that conversation. But she said like, um, I have been asked to do this but like this man is dangerous and you know if we don't catch him and he finds out like he might hurt us like do you are you okay with me doing this you know it's a family discussion and her daughter basically was like so you're gonna be a superhero and we're gonna get a bad guy and she was like she was like yep and he she was like her daughter said well has he killed people and she said yes and he said or the daughter said, is he going to do it again? She said, probably. And her daughter was like, then you, then you need to. Yeah. No choice. Yeah. I love her At daughter. 11, like, I think it was like 11 years old. She was like, yep, go Aww. get, go be a superhero and like catch a bad guy. I hope th- she's thriving the most. Oh, yeah. I love so. her. Great. Aww. So anyway, yeah, there we are. Well, Sarah. fuck you, Charlie. Mm-hmm. Fuck Sarah, you, Charlie. you so good. My mom, Thanks. I know like when we had posted the part one on social media, my mom was like, oh my god, I remember this, because it happened, like, in my area. Yeah. Right, and, okay, I was kind of wondering that, like, if you... I don't remember it. Well, no, because I don't remember ever hearing... Yeah, I don't remember yeah. hearing this story. Yeah, Bailey was, like, what, four? Yeah. Right, but yeah, oh, you, so your a... parents remember it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, my parents moved to the Poconos in the 90s. I wonder... Like, if... early 90s. I wonder if they think I did a good job. <laughs> Well, my mom will tell us. <laughs> they probably so. don't remember all the details. So no. It's probably... No. My dad probably has no idea what we're talking about. Not right. that my dad listens, but... I mean, dad, if you do listen, hi. <laughs> I think, hi. I don't know if my dad listens, actually. The my Polkanals. dad doesn't know that this exists. This actually happened in the valley. <laughs> you told me. In Lehigh. In Easton. And, and Allentown. And Somerset. Somerset and... <laughs> Oh, and then uh, and between 90s. the eighties and the early two thousands. Oh, I'm sure she probably does. Oh. Eighty-seven to two thousand three, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. But okay, well, Sweet. that's part two. Yeah, our second two-parter. I know, and right? I'm not doing this One again. Right after- oh my gosh, it's so hard, dude. I'm not doing this again. No, I get <laughs> it. My eyes were literally bleeding. I was, like, staying up late while Jason was, like, got off work and was just like, can you hang out with me? And I'm like, I have to finish this case. Yeah. But also, yeah, I have to Alex finish reading really- the book so I know what's going to happen. Because I was like, I couldn't just leave myself on a cliffhanger, yeah. you know? Yeah, I totally get what so. you mean. <laughs> but okay. it is a really good book if you guys want, like, a ton more detail and um all the interviews are in there and like amy's interview in the restaurant that she did um while wearing a wire with charlie is like really interesting and the way that she like describes 
like his eyes and his emotions and like him shutting off like a robot and then like (laughs) (laughs) and then like coming back to life it's all really interesting um and so yeah that book is the good nurse by charles graber okay it's great sorry you did great Thank you. So, I'm so proud of you for reading a whole book. I don't think I have like the mental capacity to do that. It was that a whole right ass book. So. Aww, Tiny claps for me. For her. You can't hear him because it's golf be claps. Quiet. It's golf claps. Yeah. <laughs> they don't do snaps at golf. They should. They should. Like, like poetry. No, they do like slam little, poetry. It's like this. Slam you like poetry, cup yeah. one hand and then tap the other one with your fingertips. Like that? Yep. I can't do it. I have a beer in my hand. So. Okay. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Well, well, guys. Thank you guys so much for listening. And. and our socials are all in the show notes. You guys, you guys know. Yeah, they we know. don't have to say that anymore. <laughs> and, and don't be evil. Don't do it. Don't, don't be it. Don't be evil. Especially okay. Especially like Charles. Bye, guys. We love Bye. you. Bye.